1: Just like that, the second hour is here. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. Hudding Withrow with you. Bobby Carpenter will join us in 20 minutes. And Clay Travis in the final hour of today's show. Get some headlines. We've got plenty more to come. Chad, so the NCAA selection committee, Rutgers may get into the tournament based on a win that did not count. Rutgers basketball, they're right there on the bubble. The Knights, they finish the regular season. They're 18-13. and 13. Razor's edge. Right there. Same they, record as Vanderbilt. They should be 19-12, and 12, if not for a controversial loss, that should not have counted. So back in December, again, we can make up the rules as we go. Is it about what you've done now, or can we make up a rule or make up a scenario for you in November, December? December the 8th, Rutgers traveled to Columbus, Big Ten Conference matchup against Ohio State, ranked 25th currently. And the visitors, Rutgers, they, stories at OutKick, they led the home team by two with five seconds left. Kayla McConnell at the free throw line uh, could make it three, but he missed. So they're up by two. So Ohio State got the rebound. They got the, foot, uh, the, uh, the, the ball up the court to their star, Thornton. And McConnell immediately picked him up in the front court and forced him to the sideline. And despite all that, somehow, some way, he escaped and got the ball to his teammate just beyond the three-point line. And pulled up, game-winning triple at the buzzer. Okay? However, that's wrong. Before catching the pass, Thornton stepped out of bounds. Rutgers lost. Ohio State wins. But they should have 19 wins based on that. I maintain their 18 wins are 18 wins. Because that's just part of the game. Missing calls. Do you agree or disagree with me, Chad? I
2: totally agree with you. Now, if this was some sort of clock mismanagement that they found out after that the clock was uh, improperly in some way done where it was shot after the horn or after it hit 0 right. and they screwed it up there, then what the big ten should do is come back and award Rutgers the win
1: and Ohio State the loss. That's which, how it should be correct, which they have not done.
2: No, because this is But they is, did
1: admit fault. They did say a, they did they did say that he stepped out of bounds in a a statement on the the very following day. This is a human error
2: by the officials that happens in every basketball game. It happened late. It's awful for Rutgers to lose a game like this, but it's a loss. And I think what the committee has to consider, what they consider with everyone, everything. So is a one-point loss on the road to Ohio State that much different from a two-point win? Well, it would be a Before quad one
1: win for them.
2: That's fine. But so, yes. I'm just saying whole body of work, right? Like I agree. I agree with you. It's about, you know, you like to say it's not if you lose, it's how you lose at times. So, right. if you lose at the buzzer, that's different than losing by 30 so, and giving up in a game. If you win by 25, that's different than winning at the buzzer. You just look at the whole body of work. You have from November to March to make your case for the selection committee. So look at every game equal. I don't care about last 10. I don't care about first 10. I don't care about losing streaks in the middle of the season. I care about what you've done. Win, loss, good, bad, in between, point differential, offense, defense, all those things, strength of schedule, it all goes into it. So this should go into it, but it should go into
1: it as a loss for Rutgers. Here's how I will be thinking whenever Rutgers gets in the tournament, though. This. This the 19, not 18, wins. Okay, and look, Rutgers—they're right there. They deserve to be considered. All of that, you can make the argument they're in. But I could also argue they're in because of their conference, right? Like they, we have seen time and time again, the Big Ten—they get—they get a—they get, a, they get they, a break. They get the nod, and they—they they get a lot and of. This teams is not in a great year for their conference. It's not a great year for the ACC or. The Pac-12, or I'll use the ACC. Not a great year for the ACC, but the ACC is only going to get what five teams in, and they're horrible. So, point being, if this were any, if this were any other conference, I'm not sure this would be a storyline. Maybe I'm being unfair to Rutgers on this, but if someone steps out of bounds and the conference admits it, but they're not changing the record, your record is what it is. And I mean, can we just? Go back in time and find bad calls and say, "Hey, you know, uh, Kentucky should have won this game. They'd be a number one seed instead of a three, or you know, Auburn should be in instead. They're headed to the NIT. Vandy, I'm sure, has some late second loss this season. Point being, I think it's because of the conference, not the scenario. And that's why I say they I have think 18 wins.
2: You're you're on to something with that, with the conference. I, I'd say the only I'd argue the only conference, major conference that's having a really good year is the Big Twelve.
1: I think top to bottom, that's a very good league this year or in basketball. Maybe a better example would be a one big one bid league where you have a team that has been extremely dominant and they lose in a championship one bid opportunity because of a missed call. That team's not going to the NCAA tournament.
2: Yeah, like I so – I think an X factor for Power 5 teams this year, and a good example is the Mountain West. Mountain West is always a weird conference in terms of the selection committee. They've, they've had years they've had five in. They've had two. They've had four. They've had three. I think they're on the borderline of three or four teams. Yes. They're going to get in. So that this could cost that fourth team, let's say, right? Because that Rutgers team is in. in. the fourth yeah. team in the Mountain West yeah. would be out because Rutgers is in if you look at it that way. Again, I just think that should be considered – but it should absolutely not be considered as a bonus quad one win because they didn't win it. If the Big Ten comes back and says, we screwed this up so egregiously that we're awarding
1: Rutgers with a win after the fact, then it's a win. But well, they didn't, so it's, it's a loss. And, and uh, Davey sends a text, it's a, it's a great point. Should Duke move up a seed line because the refs incorrectly overturned a call against Virginia? And then the ACC admitted fault with that. Which we discussed on the show again. Like I think you open up too many cans here, where a part of the game is this is just how it goes sometimes. I just think you can conveniently
2: argue whatever you want if you're defending a team, and they could. So still, when you get to Selection Sunday, you know we're going to hear from the committee chairman.
1: And it sucks afterwards. for Rutgers because if they get in, this is going to be the reason people are going to point to this instead of their resume. So and that, that's why I. They can still get in on their own merit here. They don't need this win. And that's that's why I don't buy this headline that they're going to consider but, giving them a win when they actually have a but loss. But
2: again, when you're making the argument, if you're put in this position, and yeah. you're, the, you're the committee chair, and you're put in the spot to argue for Rutgers over Vanderbilt, let's say, yeah. this is one you could use,
1: right? That would be it, yeah. But I don't think I they mean, would look, do it for I'm any the, other look, conference.
2: It, it's wrong to do this. But if I'm the committee chair... You could easily, in the room even, argue one of Vanderbilt's biggest wins is over the number three team in the net. That was after a missed field goal led to a buzzer-beating three at home, and Rutgers got screwed over on a buzzer-beating three after missing a free throw against Ohio State, and that would have been another big win for them, but Vandy got the... bit. No, Vandy hit the shot. They won the game, so they won it, and Ohio State hit the shot and won the game. It's not Ohio State's fault that the officiating crew missed the call in that moment. Again, you just have to look at the whole body of work and piece it together as best you can. But to make things simpler, let's stop looking at injuries. By the way, UCLA came out and said that players a torn Achilles, out for the year, and immediately third-leading scorer, best defender on the team. Well, how does that affect their seeding? It shouldn't. It should not. It's about what they've done, what they do in the Pac-12 tournament. We'll look at that also, but evaluate the whole body of work and go from there. And Clark done for the year.
1: That's simple. Go from there. And it will affect their seeding. And that's wrong. I know that's yeah. wrong. And it's, they've probably already they, they probably already have them seated right now. If
2: they are a number one sucks. seed based on what they've done, I don't care if they lose all five starters to injury in the Pac-12 tournament. They are a number one seed with whoever they have left playing
1: because on, that's the team. And that's yeah, that's what they earned. Yes. Yeah, through the course of the season. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick 360. Kevin Blackstone, in a column with the Washington Post, he, he wants uh, Major League Baseball to move spring training out of Florida because of Ron DeSantis for not being diverse enough. Uh, he writes, if baseball is still concerned with as much, it's 15 franchises that started spring training last month in Florida should consider making an annual exercise, an all-cactus league affair. As long as DeSantis commands an attack on diversity, it's been the hallmark of his governorship and many believe is a prologue to a presidential bid. We're going back down this road where, uh, what Charlotte can't have the NBA all-star game, Atlanta can't have the major league baseball all-star game. And now all of a sudden major league baseball shouldn't go to Florida for spring training with half its league. It's just, it's it's such
2: a, it's such a tired argument. And the the basis of the claim is that he's against diversity because I think DeSantis ruled against like some sort of honors or AP African-American history course to be taught in, in, uh, in Florida. And he said that, you know, he's for educating, not indoctrination. And the reason that he voted against it was because this course is historically inaccurate that was being proposed. They have African-American history courses in high school in Florida. He's all for those. But this one being proposed was historically inaccurate. That's left out of the piece by Kevin Blackstone. So I think he's just echoing something that he's heard in whatever he reads and saying, well, now they're against diversity and they're against teaching African-American history in Florida. So we must punish them by moving spring training out.
1: But they, uh, Major League Baseball opened the door for this type of criticism on behalf of you know, this column that doesn't make sense in the Washington Post because they moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta because of you know, the voting rules and regulations. So now it's just the, oh, we can now ask Major League Baseball to do this. And NBA is doing the same thing with what they did in Charlotte with the bathroom law.
2: Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And here's what I'm really tired of. Sports, they are a uniting factor. We have talked about this a lot on this show. Yes. Sports it get, brings people of different backgrounds, different political affiliations, different religions, different races, all When those you go things. to a stadium for together, your team, yeah. you
1: don't care who you're sitting next when to. When
2: you turn and high-five a fellow fan
1: at right. a game, you, After a you don't
2: care. It brings people together. Right. We'll have a bunch of people here at Six and Peabody coming together to watch you know, March Madness yep. here, and they won't care about who's next to them watching March Madness. Yet time and time again a sports writer or sports media member will try to use the very thing that unites us to divide us. And I hate this practice. I hate when Kevin Blackstone and others do things like this, that let's take something that unites Americans that we can agree on and let's use that and weaponize it to be the thing that divides. I don't like what this state has done from a a, a legislative process Political process, so let's remove sports from them. I want to punish them, and I want to further divide America. This is civil war type stuff. Uh, you can't have that great event because I don't agree with the politics in your state. Th- those can these events Hutton, can only be in blue states, right. is what Kevin Blackstone is arguing. And so the Cactus how dare League, they put it in Florida, where there's a Republican governor? Right. And now because I disagree, I want to divide everyone and take that from them. No. Let's keep sports as a uniter and not a divider, and keep your hands off of it. When you want to make these arguments, well, if you want to go write an op-ed for the Washington Post about your disagreement with what Desantis has done, fine, do that all you want. Put it in the politics section. Go write about it, but keep
1: your hands off our sports when it comes to that. But I don't think this is Blackstone. This is the league. The league opened the door. That's what I'm saying. Like Major League Baseball talk has done about it. it. We've also seen the NBA do it. They they went cancel culture with the city of Atlanta. They were worried about criticism instead of just uniting, like Chad's saying. And well, as soon as the Republicans in guilty. office in Arizona, we'll see the same column.
2: Yeah, Major League Baseball was guilty for making that horrific decision to begin with. But I think anyone who just writes about that, well, you know, I write about sports, but I'm also very political. So my next column is going to be about taking this sport from the state I disagree with politically, I want that practice to end. And I want everyone who covers sports to acknowledge this can be a great unifying factor in our country. So regardless of politics, politics will always be a heated debate in America. Always. And you're not going to change opinion. But the punishment should not be because you disagree with someone politically. Let me argue that we should take sports away from them. Sports should
1: be unifying and not the opposite. And too many people use it as a weapon. And I hate that. Hit us up at Outkick 360. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter joins us. College football discussion with the analyst for SiriusXM and former Cowboy and Buckeye. He just got off a cruise. The Buckeye Cruise. Oh, I can't wait to hear about this.
2: I think all of my questions might be about what a Buckeye Cruise, what it consists of. Start to finish.
1: Next on Outkick 360. Bobby Carpenter will join us in a couple of minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on. Clay Travis joins us in an hour here on the Outkick Network. Chad John Skipper, formerly oversaw all things ESPN. He's put out another idea where that is, I believe his idea from a month and a half ago was to take the Super Bowl to pay per view. Um, but now he's floating the idea that the Pac 12 and the ACC should merge together, uh, which is drawing both criticism, and laughs. But I, I, I don't think it's a bad idea from the Pac-12's perspective. Well, I from don't, the ACC's perspective, I mean, yeah, I don't know what they're gaining. It's,
2: look, it's not, uh, it's not the worst idea that John Skipper's ever had, okay? Right. There's been other bad ideas that he's had. One of them, you mentioned the pay-per-view idea for the Super Bowl. Bad idea. Yes. Um, this is just another amalgamation of what we've sort of been saying and I've said, that the best thing for the Pac-12 right now is just to merge. And the we best were program the should merge with the Big 12. That right. makes more sense geographically. Right. But I also think there is a scenario where you could cherry-pick the best of the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC and form your own super conference. Sure. It'd, be, it'd be nationwide, but and that's what the f- conferences are now. Look at the Big 10. Right, They go from Rutgers to L.A. Yep. It's from Jersey to L.A. So you could do that, and that's not a – Again, not his worst idea ever. I just think the two conferences don't well, make a ton of sense together. And by doing it, you own— But would if you got a blend
1: of the three or Big 12, Pac-12, 12, it makes a lot of sense. By doing that, you ESPN would also own two of the three power conferences. Yeah. Because they already have the contract with ACC. We know what they're doing with the, the SEC. Bobby Carpenter joins us each and every week on Wednesdays and— He's fresh off of the Buckeye Cruise, I believe, at B Carp 3s where you can follow him on social. Bobby, how are you? How was the cruise?
0: Uh, the cruise was good, guys. Raised a ton of money for the uh, James Cancer Hospital here Columbus, in Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. So, yeah, it was a good time, you know, hanging out with uh, some current players go for the first time since NIL. They could allow that. And uh, Ryan Day and his family came, so it was nice to kind of get to know him and see him outside of the confines of the facility and on the sidelines. So you get to see a little bit of different side of the guy but it was a good time getting a chance to hang out with my old teammates and you know getting wild and stupid and having some fun and raising some money
1: i i said on the show that you did offer to do the show last week from the buckeye cruise and i said absolutely not like you, you should not make room for us on on there uh but give us an idea like give, former players uh friends of yours who did you see who'd you hang out with
0: so you know it started about 16 years ago and you know, we were like the young dudes. I was my second year in the league or after my second year, we put this together and originally started by, you know, Chris and Stephanie Spielman, Chris's late wife, who passed away from cancer is a a way to kind of raise some money and raise like a hundred grand the first year. Now I raised 4.3 million, um, you know, in this, this round alone, but I got my guy, AJ Hawk, Anthony Schlegel, you know, guys who I played with, you know, Rayquan McMillan, who's up with the Patriots now, um, Zeke Elliott's, you know, been coming every year. Oh, goodness. Uh, we had the current players, we had you know, Tommy Eichenberg, Steele Chambers. Oh, goodness. Some Tra- Paris Campbell, who's still playing um, with the Colts. Uh, just trying to roll through everybody. You know, we've got some older guys that come through. Tom Kuzno, who's around my dad's age as well. But there's usually about, you know, 15, uh, probably 20 to 25 former players that come on. And uh, it's it's a really good time. And you, know, you generationally get to know some guys that have been doing it for a while. And whether they're, you know, 10 years older than you, 20 years older than you in some cases for me. And now I'm getting to meet, you know, get to know the guys that are 10 years younger than me and 15 years younger than me, which has also been a real treat.
2: Do you take turns dotting the I each night as a different Ohio State Buckeye legend? I mean, what, what are the, (laughs) what are the festivities like in terms of the program for when you get together? Are you on a stage? Are you singing the fight song? How does that go down?
0: So, you know, they they do different stuff every year, kind of depending on who's coming on and what what they're going to do. And we'll have like a college football forum uh, that we've done with a lot of the guys that work in the media. Dustin Fox, who does college games with ESPN, and you know, he's been on in the past. Joshua Perry, who works with Big Ten Network um, and ballets, he's he was on this year. Uh, so you get myself, I'll usually moderate and do some of that. And then they like get to know your teammate or how well do you know your teammates? So they had that with the, all the... The current players that were on the five guys who who were, are on from that, and then they have like q and A Q&A where Ryan Day sat down with Herb Street. Kirk was on this year, and he's been on probably about half of them, maybe two thirds. So they talked with him a little bit about know, the state of college football, NIL. Where's everything going? You know, we have Coors Light's a big sponsor, so they do a big uh do a, a beer tasting, which started out as like actually tasting beers, and then it went to. You know, maybe we, you know, chug a, chug off to see kind of how fast we can go get some teams and things like that and, you know, pull people out of the audience. People pay to kind of be a part of it and, you know, pull them up there. And there's a little, there's a liquor tasting, a whiskey tasting, if you will. So there's just a lot of different activities. Uh, you know, they are like a belly flop. They've got a big auction. Like there's just different stuff every day and uh, trying to keep it all straight. We have a full itinerary that you hang around your neck so you never lose it, <laughs> thankfully. But yeah stuff every day and it's a lot of fun it's more fun for like my wife and the wives that go because you know they have some dinners and things they have to go to but a lot of the stuff that um you know i get to do it's it's out there we're on the pool deck and uh it's some work i mean you got to be out there and be involved and i'll grab interviews and stuff for my radio show uh with a lot of guys as well
1: bobby carpenter with us you can check him out at sirius xm channel 84 um Three proposed rule changes from college football that they'll vote on in April, and I think they'll be passed. Uh, The game clock is not going to stop now after a first down. Teams can't call consecutive timeouts. Penalties at the end of the first and third quarters would transfer to the following quarter instead of having an untimed down. Saban is on board with these, except for not getting a, a chance to sub after a first down. And the offense is now picking up steam and going fast, namely the Tennessee Volunteers. What do you make of the rule change, which is all—it's identical to what the NFL would be doing. Clocks can continue to roll after a first down pickup.
0: You know, I don't have a problem with that, but I wish they would leave it the same way that it is in college right now for the last like two minutes of a half, two minutes of the game, because I do enjoy that. And the one thing in college, I mean, you can have these big comebacks due to the fact that you have extra uh time and the one thing the uh, the fourth rule that they did try to propose was going basically to the NFL stop clock uh after incompletions where it's just like a normal run run play once they spot the ball except for the last 2 minutes of a half or a qu- uh, or a end of game and i think if you do that and you make those things all congruent to the NFL except i like the first down stoppage in the end of half and end of game cuz in college football as good as these offenses are and as good as these you know quarterbacks are still like you're not near as efficient at running the two minute drill as you are on average in college as you are in the nfl so i like that and it gives a chance for some big comebacks um but you know i i'm, I'm on board with these i don't think it's going to crazy change the game in a crazy manner and it will shorten it up so that you know if you're on the east coast and you have that 8 30 start i mean those games eight o'clock start yes. they go to one you know one o'clock 12 30 and it's hard. I'm like, I'm not complaining for me. I can do it. But if you want to have a generation of fans continue to grow in the game, you need to be able to have kids watch and consume these games. And like, that's what nobody, you don't have any young fans in major league baseball anymore because the games are long and they start the world series at eight 9 o'clock and no one can make it up past the fourth inning. If you're over you know, or under 12 years old.
1: So uh you're right I should have mentioned this. It will the proposal is the clock will stop after a first down for the final 2 minutes of each half. Okay. So that stays, but they'll go to the NFL timing element moving forward if it passes. I believe April 20th is the vote. Um could they just reduce halftime? If they want to shorten games, just reduce halftime in college football.
0: You know, they could. Um then you'd be really going to an NFL model. I mean, the NFL you run up there like you pee, you grab something to eat, you get your adjustments, and you're like back out the door. Uh, the one thing about college that you know a lot of people like, and that, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm against it, but you know, the, you have the bands out there, and there's like a certain pageantry to college football, to romance about it. And if you strip those things out of it, I mean, you're really just an NFL light, which is we're close to that now. But I don't care where you go, like there, there's a different passion. You know, whether you're at Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee, Michigan, Penn State, you know, Florida, like there's just something different about it. When you see, you know, the Seminole rides out, you know, and you're at, uh, you know, Florida State down there and you got the spear spiking in the ground, same stuff going on at USC. Like those things are cool. And to me, that's what why I fell in love with college football. And I don't want it to just simply become, you know, the NFL 2.0.
2: So listening and and reading a lot of NFL Combine coverage, and most of it's on the quarterbacks, these are a couple things I've heard about C.J. Stroud, most of them all positive. But two negatives about him, Bobby, and I want you to react to these. One of these is that he he doesn't have any improvisational skills. He's very much an on-time, on-schedule quarterback that is not creative with his game. The second thing is that, he was bad against Michigan the last two years. This is honestly something I've heard, that someone people have a problem. You remember the knock on Peyton Manning coming out of Tennessee, couldn't beat Florida. That was it. That was the only team he'd lose to most of the time. But he couldn't beat Florida, couldn't deliver in the big game. That, that's that been a knock that I've heard on C.J. Stroud. What do you think about both of those criticisms? Yeah, you
0: know, the We'll start with the second one first. Um, I think beating your rival is important. I think Peyton had a pretty good NFL career. I don't think that inhibited (laughs) him significantly. You know, won a couple of Super Bowls and, you know, very successful. You know, people may say maybe that's why he wasn't as successful in the playoffs as maybe he could have been. I don't know. I think the one thing I look at, like, how did he play in those games? And I don't think CJ played particularly bad. He was not the reason they lost. Now, I don't think he elevated his game, you know, to a ridiculous amount to be able to come back and win. So you could say that, but he wasn't necessarily someone that went out there and went two for twenty-five with three interceptions. And everybody else is playing good, and that's the reason they lost. So I don't have a big deal part about that. And then, you know, also he did play really well against Georgia. I mean, and that goes kind of improvisational skills. He didn't run a lot at Ohio State, and that's something believing that fans were very upset about. You know, all they wanted was a guy that could throw after JT Barrett and then you get fields and fields is kind of the best of both. And then now CJ, who is more of a pocket passer, but I I watched him pull it down against Georgia and make some big runs at the end of the game, especially that final drive. I watched him buy time and throw the ball down the field, which he does a really good job of. So I don't, I don't fully understand that second one or the the first part that we were talking about that you you addressed there in the Michigan game. I guess, I mean, that's part of it, but I would rather have a guy that can throw on rhythm and maybe can't improv as much versus a guy that has to improv everything. Because as you see those guys at the next level, now what they do is, hey, we'll just leave you in the pocket. And we're not going to let you get out of the pocket. And we're going to force you to play from there. And you have watched guys now struggle if they can't go and move outside and buy time.
1: Which quarterback would you want of the four that everyone's discussing in the first?
0: Gosh, I mean a little bit depends on kind of how you want to play. I, I'm I would honestly. I know that these guys are supremely talented and they look great on in, in the workouts, but like I'm putting Will Levis and Anthony Richardson in another, another category because I'm Will Levis has some really good skills and I've watched him play well, but I've also watched him play pretty poorly at times Mm -hmm. and Richardson, like the guy had more interceptions than touchdowns heading into the month of November this year. And you're talking about drafting him in the top 10, like, I'm not saying that he couldn't become a good quarterback and he's not one of the most physically gifted guys you're going to find. But man, like they're comparing him to Cam Newton. Cam Newton saddled up an average roster and won a Heisman and a national trophy or a national championship. Like that, that, he's no way in that category. At least he hasn't shown it yet. So it comes down to your preference of CJ and Bryce and your tolerance for maybe a guy Who's not all that big? Because that's the problem with Bryce. I mean, he's about a buck eighty, and he's five ten. Like he's not a big dude. Do you believe that he can handle it? He's a little. He's more athletic, but he's a little smaller. And then you have CJ, who's bigger, you know, taller, more stout. Maybe doesn't run quite as much. Maybe doesn't have quite the leadership skills that you see with Bryce. I don't know. You know, people maybe I've heard that that come out as well. But I I don't know. Like I I personally lean on the guy that's a little bit taller, that throws a really good ball. And not that I don't think that Bryce could have a good career, but I, I'm re- I wouldn't say I'm not concerned for the guy, but I mean, when you're 5'10 and 180 pounds and you get hit by you know, a big defensive tackle, I, he, it's not going to be Alabama. I mean, they're going to get pressure on him and that's going to be tough. And I just hope if he stays healthy, I think he'll have a great career. I just don't know if he's going to be able to be able to play 16, 17 games a season.
2: Bobby, do you buy that Arch Manning is in an actual QB competition with Quinn Ewers at Texas this spring, or is this an easier transition to have Ewers start for a year, bolt for the NFL, and then have Arch Manning start in year two?
0: I think this might be lighting a fire under Ewers a little bit. Uh, His kid's incredibly talented, but he does have some uh, mechanical issues. He needs to get cleaned up, and that's really just coming down to consistency and working at it. And if he does, I think he would be a better option than Arch Manning right now. This will be his third year in college, and he has a full season starting under his belt. But, you know, if he's going to try to throw off his back foot and do a lot of things that, you know, sometimes you have to do, but you don't necessarily need to do it every play. And Arch is going to come in there. He's going to learn the playbook fast. You know he's going to be fundamentally sound. You know, if he's physically able to do it, I mean, I think there could be a real battle because you can't fool the room. And if viewers doesn't have those leadership skills, if he doesn't grab control of this thing in the spring and this lingers into the fall, I would say the longer the competition goes, the more it's going to be leaning to Arch Manning, because that means there's guys that you can see buying into him and they might want to follow him, given the fact that he's probably a little more consistent, maybe he just has a bigger personality that seems like more of a leader.
2: So we know the most desirable programs left in the Pac-12. There's two, Oregon, Washington. A lot of talks about them having maybe the opportunity to go to the Big Ten at some point. If that happens, Bobby, and things disintegrate, how valuable is Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah? Because those are the four programs rumored that they may be together in some sort of move to the Big 12. What kind of value do you see in those four programs?
0: Oh, I mean colorado especially if dion's there and what they've done and heck they were in the big 12 so there's that natural relationship you know the arizona schools would give them access into a growing market you know that phoenix market is growing arizona is growing as a state there's more players there now and it would give them some visibility and a big market there um in utah they packed the house man like they may not be the biggest tv market in the world but they care about college football. There may not be a ton of players there, but they seem to recruit and develop guys off the West Coast as well as anybody. Like them and TCU, if you look at them a decade ago, you know, they were wandering in the wilderness, you know, trying to find a home. And now all they did was play for a national title. And then Utah ultimately is winning the Pac 12 back to back year. So I think that there is some of that going on where they are a valuable asset and a valuable commodity.
1: Bobby Carpenter with us. So let's hypothetically say there's a franchise quarterback that's available and all you have to do is give up two first-round picks in exchange for signing him to an offer that the other team doesn't want to match. Well, Baltimore's allowing teams to do that, but apparently no one's interested in Lamar Jackson. As a former NFL player, knowing that the NFLPA and the agreement with the CBA that they have with the league versus the other pro leagues is the worst compared to the others, what are the owners saying privately behind the scenes and what are players talking about behind the scenes for which they have no control over?
0: I think they're talking about the fact that he wants the Deshaun uh, yeah. Watson deal and nobody's going to be willing to give that to him. And does he deserve it? I mean, the guys won an MVP based upon market value. He should probably get it. Like I'm a little disappointed that, you know, we'll see what Bo- Joe Burrow does and, problem is you know mike brown their, their family's not the wealthiest in the world you have to escrow all those dollars if you ultimately um you know guarantee it now you still have to write a check for it so that's a big check and they're probably one of the least wealthy i guess you could say ownership groups but you look at some of these guys coming up like josh allen should have pushed harder you know for this and and we'll see what herbert eventually does if assuming he plays well but somebody they gotta say listen you know, I want a five year, I want a four year guaranteed deal. And this is what it's going to be. And it's going to be $50 million a year and uh, to take it or leave it situation. The problem with Lamar Jackson is, you know, he does it a little bit of a different way in the fact that he can run. And that makes some people uncomfortable, but he's still really young. He hasn't missed that many games. And the other thing, too, is people act like this is a free market transaction. For someone else to sign him, they still have to give up two first round picks. So it's not like, hey, nobody's willing to sign Lamar. They don't think he's any good. That's right. Nobody wants to sign him, pay him, and then also give up elite draft capital.
1: But I I look at Atlanta. Atlanta was in the mix for Deshaun Watson. The Browns traded three first-round picks and then a second and a third, multiple second and thirds, along with three first-round picks to sign Watson to that contract. Atlanta and New Orleans were in the mix, and the Browns came back in but within minutes of the report the deadline of the franchise tag and knowing that that Jackson can be can, you can negotiate with him the falcons are being reportedly but hey we're we're out we're not interested we're not in the camp of that and to me that just screams collusion
0: yeah, the fact that they didn't even weren't even interested in hearing like you said right. what yeah. he wanted like that's that that is there is the issue is if, how can you be out on a guy who's been as good as he has been without even hearing what he potentially Compared wants. Compared to who
1: they were trying to negotiate with last year.
0: Yeah, and here's the other thing. They knew that Deshaun was going to be penalized. Like They knew that he was right. going to be out for exactly. a number of games. So, like The fact that you wouldn't even listen to, hey, sit down and wonder what this guy wants, and maybe they already knew a little sure. bit, but you've got to still at least explore. If I'm a fan of the Falcons, I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, let's, let's go see if we can get this guy.
1: Well, this is where I, I think Lamar Jackson has played this perfectly until now. This is where I think he needs an agent because the agent yeah. can be the the spokesperson for him in this moment because he doesn't do anything like that. And there's no information out there except from individual teams, not the
0: player. And that's the problem, like you said, he has nobody working those back channels for him and talking to people in the media and leaking out, you know, what has been offered, what it ultimately looks like, and this and that. And then everybody, I try. This stuff happens like, well, he's reportedly been offered this or they've reportedly offered that. And I'm like, well, look, who's saying it, look at the relationships and what incentive does that have to get out there? And, you know, if he came out, which and it is tough for a player to advocate publicly for yourself, it's very hard. But if he came out and said, hey, you know, I, I just want the same deal that Deshaun got. I think I'm a better player than he is or just as good. You know, I think people would probably say they would respect that a little bit, but nobody truly knows exactly what he wants because it hasn't really been out there and been pushed. And that is the problem when you represent yourself is that if you do get into a free market situation, it's tough to be able to figure out what's going on. Because let's be honest, if if Lamar had an agent coming out of the combine, he would have had a very firm idea of what's right. going on. Whereas Lamar isn't at the combine. He's not meeting with all these teams about other players.
1: It's a great point. Bobby Carpenter, you can follow him on social at bcarp three. Sirius XM Channel 84 with uh, Bobby and Jacob Hester. You can check them out there. Great stuff as always, man. And uh, can't wait to get some behind-the-scenes stories from the Buckeye crews. We hope to be there
2: next year. Hopefully we get the invite. I'll (laughs) I'll, I'll dot
1: the I for
2: you guys at night. And in the poolside, I'll dot
1: the I. Please invite us.
0: It'll be great. You guys would have a blast, I'm telling you. Hey, hypothetically,
1: had you joined our show last week, what would be the state of mind during this time time right now where you were a week ago?
0: Ooh, that... the the Wednesday
1: <laughs> you going down just, a slide or
0: you know, it, it wouldn't have been bad because I my wife got off the next day so it was the last day I got to spend with her and I was like making sure that I wasn't like a, a drunken mess heading to dinner okay. because that's the problem like when you go into dinner and you're already a wreck like coming out coming out of it it's it's a bad bad situation
2: then it's just sleepy time at that point yeah, after dinner yes. it's like alright
1: well now I'm done again great he, he always is loyal to the show we appreciate it I hope it. those Goldschlager shots were worth it yeah <laughs> <Hope> <laughs> real piece fun. of gold real flakes fun. of gold <laughs> thank you Bobby thanks guys coming up Chad has seen Creed 3 and we get the non-spoiler version the I told review. you
2: about my movie theater experience earlier now I'll tell you about the actual movie
1: that's creep 3 Review non-spoiler version next in Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Outkick three hundred and sixty rolls on sixth and Peabody. Our location with EHA beer and Old Smoky moonshine. Chad, I went and saw the new uh, M Night Shyamalan film. Whenever we like the movie, inside it's a scoop, film. We, we call it a film. Well, yeah. everything else is just I, a movie. Uh, I went and saw well, the film. Also,
2: when we hate the movie, we call it a film.
1: Sometimes it works both ways. It yeah, can also be yeah. sarcasm. Yes, um, but we're not like we're not snow high society by any means. What would you think about Creed 3? I liked the last time I went to the theater. I loved my experience, except for the bathroom, which was awful. Chad liked everything except for outside of the theater and the sounds from the other theater. But Creed 3 itself, as a film, give us your non-spoiler review. I-, I want your review of Knock at the Cabin Door, too, at some point. I don't okay. I think I've heard it
2: yet. So here's what I learned about a Rocky movie. Um, it's better when Rocky's in it. I think that would be my quick (laughs) review of it. Um, It's good. It's a good movie on its own. It's definitely the worst of the three so far. But I do think it's not one of those that I regret spending money to go see it. I enjoyed the film very much. Michael B. Jordan is a superstar. I love that guy. He's charismatic. He is a full-on movie star. So he's very good in it. Jonathan Majors, great actor. He's terrific as the villain in this. Tessa Thompson's really good. There's a sweet storyline with uh, Adonis Creed and his wife's their daughter, uh, who's deaf, like the mother, and there's a lot of sign language in the movie for that reason, but it's very sweet and very well done. Was it accurate? Um, I don't know. I did take American Sign Language at Tennessee, but I I don't don't remember enough to to know. Uh, But they do go through a lot of sign language in it. it. It's just, it's odd, Hutton, when you're watching a part of the Rocky franchise. And I don't think they ever said the name Rocky in the movie. They alluded to Apollo Creed gave an underdog a shot. So why won't you give me a shot? And they, I think one time they, they said something about the success of Rocky versus Apollo Creed. Maybe they said the name Rocky. I don't remember it. It's just very odd that you have a movie where Sylvester Stallone's not in it because he's in a legal dispute with the producers. Trying to get more of the rights to it. He also said something about, I'm never going to watch it. I'm not going to watch Creed 3. He said he saw the script and he didn't like the darker tones that the, that the, the movie, the trilogy was taking. I don't really know what he means by that. I didn't watch it and think it was an
1: incredibly dark movie. You mean like he is just looking for a reason to complain because he's not a part of it or getting his share of it.
2: Yeah, and he's written a lot of them or at least had some part of the writing process. So Ryan Coogler, who's a really good director... He directed the first two. Michael B. Jordan directed this. Okay. So this is his first movie directed. I thought the direction was good. Um, it's just, again, I, I found myself wanting Rocky in this Rocky franchise. Well, I would want that too. Based there, was on... something, there was something missing knowing Sylvester Stallone is A, alive, and B, not in this movie. That's a part of the Rocky franchise. So I felt it was lacking in some way that way, not in any, in any way because of Michael B. Jordan or Jonathan Majors or anyone in it. It was just missing something, and I think that was it. So you're saying it's a, it's
1: a 7. It could be a 10.
2: Could be, It could be, uh, yes. I'd, I'd give it a strong 7. Could be. I thought the first Creed was close to a 10. That was the best okay. I felt about a fighting movie since maybe the, watching the original Rocky for the first time. It was very much in spirit with the original Rocky. The first Creed. I thought Creed 2 was worse, but entertaining. I thought this one was good, but definitely third of the three. Of the three Creed movies so, so far. Here's another uh, quick complaint about it. They need more of a training montage. One of the big parts of the Rocky franchise is the music that accompanies training montages. I don't think the training montage was nearly long enough. They have one where they're showing both fighters getting ready for the fight. but, but And it's cool, some of the workouts they're doing... But I thought the music wasn't as good as the first two Creed's. Uh, see, I thought, the music
1: makes these films.
2: And and just, it, there wasn't enough of it. I thought they could have gone more into the training than what they showed. So the end of it felt kind of rushed, I guess what I'm saying. The, so you're the, saying wait the, until... The final,
1: the final act felt rushed. Do we watch it in the theater or stream this film? That's all I need to know. If you're into the Rocky franchise, you go and see it in the theater. I think if you're just
2: passive, like, ah, I've seen one of the Creed movies, not all, then, then stream it. You can wait to stream it. But my advice is, if you're a fan of the Rocky franchise, this is one you should go to the theater and see. Just don't pick the theater that I did where it takes 30 minutes to get concessions and then you know, you're hearing the musical next door the whole time instead of the emotional parts between father and daughter. Were there sex scenes in this film?
1: There were There are no sex scenes. Oh. Close. There was the start of one almost, but they didn't show it. You've got Larsa Pippen, uh, ex-wife of Scottie Pippen, who's with Michael Jordan's son, and she's on TV Real housewife saying that she's having sex four four times a night? You know, Scotty's got to be sitting
2: there saying, just anyone else's son. But he's also saying, of all the the sons, of all the sons you could have picked, That's what I'm thinking to the ex wife. You had to go with MJ's son? Of all the options out
1: there, of all the gin joints in all the towns, you chose this one just to shame me? Knife, twisting the knife even further, but also BS. The goat lives. Is Derrick Henry about to be traded? Details next.